from the headquarters of Geeks and Beats magazine. Now with 1.2 billion subscribers on iTunes and GeoCities. This is the world's most popular podcast with Alan Cross and Michael Hainsworth. Featuring musical guest Sting. $5,000 to learn that your body conducts electricity. Noted Scientologist debunker Scott Simpson joins us to tear down the teardown of the pseudo-religion's primary device that determines the health of your soul. Attention kids today, please, please go back to eating Tide Pods. We'll look at the latest trend in Drake-fueled stupidity. Plus, Ed the Sock joins us on our big live on Facebook live show. L. Ron Hubbard, help us all. We're going to get assassinated. <laughs> and now... Alan Cross and Michael Hainsworth. <laughs> you sent me this link to Tom Cruise running in his movies, and despite my aberration of Tom Cruise, I just had to check it out. This is the one where somebody came up with an algorithm. I'm, I'm assuming it's an algorithm <laughs> that counts the number of times and the number of minutes that Tom Cruise's Tom Cruise runs in a movie. And the more Tom runs, the better overall the movie is. He has sprinted 7.3 kilometers in his 37 years on screen over the course of 41 films. So Rotten Tomatoes, as you point out, crunched the numbers. Uh, Every second on screen was calculated based on clocking a six-minute mile, or four and a half meters per second. And they broke his uh, style of running down uh, to a, a, a similar thing for every single film. He runs the exact same way. Eyes forward, elbows sharp, feet in a blur. But the question (laughs) truly becomes, does it actually make for a better movie? into how this algorithm worked? What they did was they figured out that movies featuring crews running more than 1,000 feet or 380 meters, has a, a, they have a higher tomato meter average, 71% or more, than the movies where he doesn't run at all or he runs less than that. And it turns out he makes more money at the box office with the average inflated international gross of $538 million. <laughs> you see... Back in the old days, baseball used to be the domain of statistics nerds, but now <laughs> anybody can turn anything into statistics. This, yeah, this, I thought you would find that rather interesting because it's, uh, it's just one of those weird correlation causation maybe things. Sure. Uh, does it say how far he ran in the latest Mission Impossible movie? 
this is the catalyst for crunching these numbers. It turns out, though, that we don't have the numbers on that yet. We do know that the older he gets, the more he runs. Oh, okay. It sounds like compensation. Uh, could be. I mean, he's 56. Um and he looks like he's 26. He does. Now, I, I don't know what they're they're drinking over there at Scientology, but it's working. <laughs> we'll get back to that in just a second. <laughs> um, this The new Mission Impossible movie, I mean, everybody's talking about how awesome it is and how it completely <sighs> changes everything when it comes to action movies. Now, I'm <sighs> not... I'm, I, I like the first Mission Impossible film. I was, I've was i been hot and cold on all the others since then, and I've always been cold on Tom Cruise. I mean, I, he lost me... Uh, with his, his smarminess and Top Gun. I, I gave him... Really? That far back? Before even Scientology came oh, on the scene? before he started jumping on the couch with Oprah. Oh, I remember that. He's in the building! Yeah. I, um, I, 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 he was okay in, in, in Rain Man. Mm-hmm. After that, I can't think of a lot of movies in which I've enjoyed Tom Cruise. He is older today than Jack Nicholson was in the you can't handle the truth scene you feel old now no kidding did you order the code red you don't have to answer that question i'll answer the question you want answers i think i'm entitled you want answers i want the truth you can't handle the truth son we live in a world that has walls and those walls have to be guarded by men with guns who's gonna do it you you lieutenant weinberg I have a greater responsibility than you can possibly fathom. You weep for Santiago and you curse the Marines. You have that luxury. You have the luxury of not knowing what I know. Jack Nicholson looked 100 years old in that movie. Yep. And, uh, and Tom's that age now? Yep. So he's running more as he gets older. He has covered almost as much ground in Mission Impossible 3 back in 2006 than the entire catalog of movies he made in the 1980s. Films that go full Tom Cruise, that's a thousand feet or greater. The Firm in 93, Minority Report 2002, War of the Worlds, Mission Impossible 3, Mission Impossible Ghost Protocol, Edge of Tomorrow, Mission Impossible Rogue Nation, Jack Reacher Never Go Back, and The Mummy. I'm going to go back to my list. I didn't, I liked Minority Report, and I thought War of the Worlds was pretty cool, if for nothing more than Dakota Fanning. Did you see that Play With Junk disassembled a $5,000 Scientology e-meter? No. Um, let me back up just a second. <laughs> okay. uh, when I first moved to Toronto, I spent an awful lot of time walking up and down Young Street just to acclimatize myself to the city. And, of course, there's the big Scientology place outside, uh, well, wherever it is. Um, anybody who's walked up and down Young Street knows exactly where it is. It's just south of Bloor. Right. And then there's, all these, there's always people out there asking if you want the free personality test. Turns out you didn't have one. Well, I was worried about finding that out, so I never took it. But I, I watched with, you know, how much zeal these people attacked passersby on the sidewalk and how many actually went inside for this personality test. And uh, I knew a little bit about Scientology back then, you know, L. Ron Hubbard and uh, all that sort of stuff. Um, but I'm glad I never went in because maybe I would have been one of the suggestible types. 
Joining us now is a noted Scientology debunker. Scott Simpson joins us from his home in London. Scott, thank you for joining us. Hey, hey, gentlemen. So you looked at this $5,000 Scientology e-meter. First of all, it looks like something Apple produced in the 90s. Yeah, it does. It has that, that sleekness to it that suggests it is something more than what it really is. But, but is it really anything at all? It's a thing. Uh, but even Scientology admits, admits uh, that by itself, it does nothing, although they were kind of forced to through FDA decisions and court cases to admit that by itself, this thing does nothing. They consider it a religious artifact. OK, wait a second. Let's describe an E-meter for people who don't know what it is. Well, the E stands for electropsychometer. You can think of it as a crude lie detector. They pass a current through your body by you holding two cans, which are about the size of a Red Bull can. They're hooked up to leads to this machine. And under the hood is what's known in electronic circles as a Wheatstone bridge, which is designed to measure a difference of resistance between two things. The two things being one, your body, and two, the dial on the E-meter. So if you sweat, your skin gets sweaty and there's a change in resistance and the needle moves. That's about as simple as it gets. This is $5,000. Yeah, well, it's, it's, it's radically overpriced, obviously. But could you build one yourself? Maybe if you're an electronics nerd, you could build something that does the same thing. But when they took it apart over a play with junk, they figured that this is probably a low volume production unit, but high quality on a whole bunch of different levels, not the least of which is when they took the thing apart, there was a lot of individually soldered wires suggesting that this wasn't a mass-produced product, that somebody had to sit down and put this thing together. Well, this isn't something that you would you farm out to Foxconn, is it? <laughs> you could probably get a better deal on the raw product if you did, but consider that there are far fewer Scientologists around than the Church of Scientology says, and that not all of them end up buying them. A lot of them come into Scientology and leave with empty pockets. Uh, not everybody's going to buy one, although you're supposed to buy two. If you need one and you're an auditor, you should have two. So that's $10,000 out of pocket. Okay, so hang on. You say if you're an auditor. So if you join Scientology at some point, you could be the guy outside the headquarters trying to hassle Alan Cross into admitting he doesn't have a personality? Yeah, if you want to be on staff, they make you a uh, body rooter. You are to root the raw meat into the house for uh, for further processing. Wait, wait, that's not your title, is it? A body rooter? Yeah. Yeah, and you're raw meat. Okay, so maybe we need to step back, because I know that South Park debunked Scientology through one of their episodes a little while back. Yeah. And through the entire course of the, the, the show, they had to put a disclaimer at the bottom that stated, Scientologists actually believe this. Yeah. Because nobody would believe it. It just It's so outrageous that if you told somebody, they'd think, oh, come on, stop making fun of the poor Scientologists. It's like, no, this is what they actually believe. We're not even exaggerating. Usually to hear the secret doctrine, you have to be in the church for several years, Stan. Are you ready to hear the truth? I, I guess. You see, Stan, there is a reason for people feeling sad and depressed. An alien reason. It all began 75 million years ago. 
then there was a galactic federation of planets, which was ruled over by the evil Lord Xenu. What is it they actually believe? Uh, they, oh, man, uh, it, it could take you a lifetime to learn everything they believe. And at the end, you'll still be confused about it. But at the guts of it, that uh, humans are immortal beings that that people as we know them are actually three things your mind your spirit that they call the thetan and your uh, body your meat body your meat bag they don't call it the meat bag that's just a me thing what they are trying to treat is your thetan your soul and its memory banks uh and every bad experience you have every kind of trauma uh pain drugs hypnosis things like that leaves an impact on you in the form of mental image pictures it leaves a physical mark on your soul they think and the way that you can uh progress towards spiritual freedom is to go and wipe out these bad experiences and the way you do that one technique is to uh, revisit and go through that experience again mentally until it loses all of its charge. And how do you know it's lost its charge? Well, if you have something that reads a charge, then great. You'll know when you're done. And it stops you from overrunning a process. It also helps you locate things. So if you were to be holding the meter, what they'll do uh, on the street side there, if you walk past the Scientology place and, and sit down with, with them and pick up the cans, is they'll say, all right, think of money. Hmm. Think of your spouse. Oh, we got a reading there. Let's dig in on that. So they just poke at you until they find something that moves the needle. And then they say Scientology can help you with that. Is that how that works? So that's the personality test that Alan was supposed to have taken that that figures out what the problem is with his personality and then says we can fix it. Pretty much. The personality test uh, is to find your ruin. Uh, And anybody who takes the personality test will have something wrong with them. Oh, I would have been uh, I would have been hustled into the back room within 20 minutes. Absolutely. Yeah. And then you can watch the introductory film and, you know, you're free to leave. You're also free to walk out and shoot yourself in the head. That's your choice. Why would you give up an opportunity like this? I would still be working for Sea Org. Sea Org. Well, you've never heard of this. Oh, God. There's the pseudo, uh, pseudo-naval, pseudo-military organization, the elite. You sign a pledge to work for them for many, many, many lifetimes to come. Wait a minute. Was, wasn't this the organization within Scientology that um, Katie Holmes was worried they would shuttle her daughter Siri off to and she'd never see the child again? Absolutely. A lot, of, a lot of them start out as kids. They're recruited. They don't go to high school, and they uh, serve Scientology. This is what I was going to get to about the, the e-meter, is when you say that they're not mass-produced, I believe it, and I think I know where they are made. It's at a base in California where they uh, have people cooped up who have done bad things in Scientology's eyes, and one thing they do is make e-meters. According to Hackaday, what they were impressed with was the quality of the components that went into the machine. The trim pot is a, a Vichy wire-wound precision potentiometer that costs a, as much as 60 bucks. The power switch is way more than they need and probably costs $5 a, a, a pop. Uh, Jen Dressy on Boing Boing pointed out, it's kind of like the Juicero, designed by someone fresh out of school who doesn't have an adult in the room telling him he's designing it in a way that is going to be very expensive and he can get away with it because the customers aren't especially cost conscious. 
Yeah, exactly. If you're going to charge a, a mega premium for something, you can afford to put great components in there. Uh, they could probably make it for a tenth of the cost, but they would lose the economies of scale because there aren't that many people who want to buy them. And if you do want to buy one, they are available on the secondhand market, even though they're not supposed to be. Because when you buy an e-meter, you are effectively licensing the e-meter. If you get kicked out of Scientology, you're supposed to give it back and stop using it. Are you looking up one on eBay right now? I am. And here is one, a Mark Mark 5 e-meter, refurbished with a warranty from Scientology, $325. Wow, that's a good deal. Now, that sounds like the older model, because it looks like the one that they took apart here was the Mark 7. Uh, okay, Super Mark 7 Quantum E-Meter Refurbished Warranty Scientology, $515.91. Buy it now. Whoa. See, I'd want one just for party tricks. Yeah, but what's the party trick other than the little meter goes up when you touch it because of natural conductivity of your body? Well, I'd show you a little trick just uh, to convince you that it works. It's kind of like a magician warming you up with a couple of tricks that you can agree are cool. So you pick up the cans and you just take a, take a breath, just relax. So I pinch you. The needle moves. And then I say, think about me pinching you a minute ago. The needle will move again. And so that's enough to convince will you. It really? Yeah, because. No, no. Why is that? Because you twitched. Your brain's a powerful thing. No, but I twitched the first time, but I'm thinking about the twitch and that's enough to change the electrical conductivity of my body? Momentarily, yeah. So the, the Scientologists are trained in their metering course to read what the needles uh, are doing and interpret them. So if a needle swings back and forth like bah, wah, 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 it means maybe you're hiding something. If it goes up and then slowly falls down, it might mean something else. And you know that you have reached the end phenomenon of the process you're working on if you get what is called a floating needle where it just sort of sways gently back and forth. That's what every Scientologist wants to hear in session. Your needle is floating, which means you can go now. How is it you haven't been murdered? Me? Yeah, well, I'm I'm thinking, you know, when I... Earlier in, in this conversation, I opened up a Wikipedia page on Scientology, and the moment I opened it up... It cut the feed to this conversation that we're having. That's true. Yeah. (laughs) It did. So I'm thinking David Miscavige and some of his minions are already listening in on us and are sending ninja teams after us. Well, 20 years ago, there weren't that many people criticizing Scientology, so it was really easy to pick them off and threaten them and follow them around and sue them. Nowadays... It's you know, there's more people picking on it than there are people supporting it. So I, I think uh, L. Ron Hubbard and his uh, descendants would have a hard time tracking me down. Although, you know, putting my name out there and calling me a Scientology debunker. Well, I'm not worried about you. I'm worried about me. Yeah. Well, I'm worried about you, too. You got to host this thing every week. As I understood it, L. Ron Hubbard's creation of Scientology in the first place was more of a gag. I, I was I thought I had read somewhere that he had basically said, hey, you know what? I bet I could invent a religion and I bet people would follow it. And people didn't realize he was kind of joking. Well, back in the day, he was a very prolific science fiction writer, very popular. And there there are still science fiction lovers who think that his work was, was really good. But he just wrote a lot, which is great when you're comprising your own library of religious artifacts. But uh, it was said that many times uh, he said, you know, getting paid by the word is not the way to get rich. The way to get rich is to start a religion. 
And there were various people who quoted him saying that there's no actual record of of the time he said that. But it worked out. I think in the beginning, he did it as a gimmick. Uh, He was mentally ill and needed money. And he pitched uh, the idea for Dianetics to a science fiction magazine at a time when the mental health care system was not at its best. So he was able to put forth something pseudoscientific that sounded scientific uh, that managed to be a, a pop culture fad for one year. He found a way to monetize that. He had a falling out with his partners in, um, his partners. And then when he thought he was going to lose the Dianetics trademark, he said, I got to create something new. Uh, We're going to call this one uh, Scientology. Then he came up with this meter thing. He was doing party tricks, I think, with one of his magician friends and saw this thing. It was like, wow, I got to get this in. I got to get one of these. And then so he stole the name of it from his friend very quickly said absolutely we will not be using e-meters we don't need them and then a week later was like we absolutely have to have e-meters they're essential he once worked as a hypnotist he once worked in hollywood posing as a swami he like you mentioned was a science fiction writer the guy doesn't exactly have the provenance of somebody who would be the head of a religion you know like a legitimate religion well, the, the neat thing is when you combine hypnosis or hypnotism, because I, I don't want to give it the, the credibility of hypnosis, we'll call it stage hypnotism, with uh, a, a little bit of scientific knowledge, enough that you can sound like a scientist, and profound mental illness, uh, you can create something really cool. Uh, it, Like any religion, it has internal contradictions. Uh, on the surface, it makes absolutely no sense. But it can give people the, both the comfort that they are being taken care of and the terror that if they leave, everything in their world and their entire future will come crashing down. That's how you keep them in. You get them in by some tiny benefits at the beginning. You keep them in by scrambling their brains and making them feel like if they ever leave, there's no hope for them. Yeah, I had seen a quote somewhere that said the only difference between Catholicism and Scientology was 2,000 years. Ooh. It makes me want to start a new one. I, I think everything... I'm surprised that no one has one-up Scientology. I think Scientology was uh, was an early adopter of uh, <laughs> some neat technology. So they were first on the block, and they're the brand name now. Scott Simpson is a notable Scientology debunker. He joined us from his home in London. Thanks, Scott. Thank you. We hope you aren't murdered in your sleep. If I am murdered, I hope it is in my sleep, but I hope it's on video. I've always said, if somebody's going to kill me, I hope they get taken. Spoken like a true newsman. Yeah. Want to write for the big show? Go to geeksandbeats.com slash newsroom to learn about how you can be a part of the world's most popular podcast. Do it for the glory and the love of the game. If we paid you any less, we'd be paying us. Geeksandbeats.com There's a destination a little up the road from the habitations of the town we know. A place we saw the lights to low. The jigsaw jazz and the jet fresh flow. Pulling out jazz some jamboree handouts, two tin tables and a microphone. Bottles and cans, and just clap your hands, and just clap your hands. Find a 10,000-year-old record. 
This was something I found when I was going through one of my oddities and historical facts website. So there's something called the Drapa Stones. They were discovered in a cave in China in the 1930s by a Chinese archaeologist. And they're these round disks, anywhere from six to nine inches in diameter, with a big round hole in the center. So they look like a version of a seven-inch single. And on these things are some weird hieroglyphic markings, and some of them seem to be arranged in a spiral, again, a lot like a seven-inch single. So uh, the character who found these things uh, gave it to somebody who could translate these things, and it tells the story of the Drapa, which are people from a spaceship that crashed in the mountains of China and were hunted down and killed by members of the local Han tribe. And uh, there may be, in some cases, descendants somewhere in the mountains of China. Uh, some of one of these discs or a couple of these discs were sent to the Soviet Union. Somebody decided that they were going to put some electrical charge through it uh, on a specially designed turntable. And uh, it w let off a weird rhythmic humming and, and, and just sort of strange sounds. I keep waiting for the butt. There is no butt except that all of this is just, okay, it's communist China. It's a guy who was ridiculed once he published his findings and was exiled in China. That guy, or sorry, exiled in Japan. Uh, that guy, it, well, there's no record of him anywhere in the Chinese um, scientific literature other than this one thing. But again, you know, a lot of things were destroyed during the Great Leap Forward and the Cultural Revolution. And then uh, the guy in, in Soviet Union, I mean... <laughs> Listen, you want to believe Soviet scientists when it comes to something like this? Anyway, I thought it was really kind of cool. It probably doesn't mean anything because they're just buttons. They're just big decorative buttons. That somebody decided to create as part of a, I don't know, what the Han Dynasty back about 10,000 years ago. So cool story. Uh, clickbait. I got suckered. And uh, so did you. <laughs> Apparently. But I'll tell you this, I got the name of my next new band, The Dropa Stones. The Dropa Stones, yes. Isn't that awesome? I, I like that, actually. I'm looking this up. <laughs> quick, quick, register the domain name. Dropa Band. The Dropa Stones. Oh, there's already a band called Dropa, sorry. Uh, they are from Cleveland, and they write songs like Force Field, Sunkissed, Fallen Angels, Stars, The Drones, Demons, Dreamer. Snow Sleeper Jupiter in Depth and well okay wow yes hey idiots stop jumping out of moving cars while dancing to Drake okay there's another exactly. dumb thing here I think exactly. this is just Darwinism <laughs> um, I, I gotta tell you I love your line please kids stop doing this go back to eating Tide Pods or something Kiki do you love me are you riding say you never ever leave from beside me cause I want you and I need you down for you always KB Do you love me? Are you riding? Say you never ever leave from beside me Cause I want you And I need you And I'm down for you always 
But the new me is really still the real me. I swear you gotta feel me before they try and kill me. They gotta make some choices. They run it out of options. Cause I've been going off and they don't know when it's stopping. And when you get the top and I see that you've been learning. And when I take you shopping, you spend it like you earned it. And when you popped off on your ex, he deserved it. I thought you would have won from the jump that confirmed it. So Drake has this song called In My Feelings. And in the video, Drake comes out of his out of his car and starts dancing on the road uh, with the door open with the door open. So a lot of people have decided to try, you know, this is a selfie society. People have tried to do this uh, all over the world. And um, aside from the fact that Drake clearly had a closed set and a stunt man making sure the car didn't go anywhere. Exactly. And there are all these videos that are being posted right now. I've found one. A guy's actually hit by a car. You can watch him get hit by a car. Oh, I don't want to watch him get hit by a car. The one that I like is the woman who gets out of her car, and you can tell that it's people across the street in a, in a building on a second floor shooting the whole video. She drops her purse, and two guys on a moped scoop it up by behind her and take off on her and take off with it uh there's another woman who we see getting out of the the, the driver's side and uh she doesn't even uh get a chance to stand up because she falls immediately and you know she could have had her head crushed by the rear wheels sure uh, it's a dumb thing to do and people in mumbai uh, apparently this is a big deal in in uh, in in india mumbai they've got a bunch of people doing these things and uh the police there are actually going on social media saying, listen, idiots, this is not just a risk for you, but your act could put life of others at risk. Desist from public nuisance or face the music. Hashtag dance your way to safety. <laughs> Everything's got a hashtag now. Everything does. How music affects our brain. You've got a one-of-a-kind interactive event coming up. Yeah, there's some people in the neuroscience lab at uh, McMaster University in, in Hamilton that are doing some pretty cool things with the way music affects uh, affects our brains. And uh, coming up later this month, and I, uh, it's on a Saturday, so everybody can come to this, uh, we're going to try and figure out exactly how we can make your brain be affected in a proper way by music. This is coming up Saturday, August the 25th. It's going to run from about uh, 3 o'clock to about 6 o'clock that afternoon. And uh, Dr. Dan um, Bosniak, he's a technical director of the Live Lab, there's going to be a performance uh, with a pianist. And they're going to show how it, all, how it all works. So this is going to happen at McMaster University Live Lab. It's in the Psychology Building uh, in Hamilton. And if you want any information, alan at geeksandbeats.com, I will gladly set you up. So you're going to be able to participate that with a full motion capture device, which is like a little cap you put on during the musical performance. Right. So you will see how your brain reacts as the music enters your ears. And we're going to be using live music, which is the most powerful form of music when it comes to neurological reaction. Are you also providing free personality tests? Uh, <laughs> you know what? London, Bangkok, New York, Cincinnati. From the worldwide headquarters of Geeks and Beats magazine, this is a GNB News Update. Dean Kelly, still the co-producer of the world's most popular podcast with Alan Cross and Michael Ainsworth. God bless him. He's clearly not gotten caught up 
on the episodes on the back catalog because he still has no lifetime limit on patreon.com so every time we hit the publish button we ding his credit card for 25 bucks dean thank you very much for either being very generous or not listening to us when we urge you to put a lifetime limit so we don't suck your credit card dry <laughs> you just wait till he sees the statement exactly do, do we know what credit card it is is it visa or mastercard no no privacy implications associated with that so all i know is that he's still funneling 25 bucks an episode which is very helpful because we have got a fantastic lineup coming up oh. on the big show for the big live on facebook live from michael's back deck show show this is the day after the uh music on your brain thing isn't it well it's the 25th on the saturday and then on the 26th at 7 p.m eastern time join us from our facebook page so go to geeks and beats facebook page it's facebook.com slash geeks and beats podcast or just go to geeks and beats.com slash live the best way to keep in touch with us is that way because we'll also give you the ability to sign up for an automatic notification for when we're live and when the thing crashes and burns and we have to reboot the computer and do it all over again and it's a brand new link we'll just put it right back to that and so that's that's your source and all the stuff we talk about will be on there as well we have a conundrum my friend what's that we in addition to having booked ed the sock on the big show that's our big get yes that, that's our big get in addition to brittle star Stuart reynolds the internet's favorite dad tentatively now just tentatively we have sexpert and former guest Cynthia Loist of The Social on CTV coming on to talk about uh, the latest in sex bot technology. So my concern here is <laughs> if we put Ed on first <laughs> and then Cynthia comes on and talks about sex bots, Ed's just going to run roughshod over the whole conversation as he sits beside her on the couch. Yeah. And your problem is? Well, he's, he's not known for being uh, discreet. Do, do we want... Um, information or do we want entertainment? <laughs> I know which side I'm voting for. Catch all new episodes of Geeks and Beats Wednesdays on iTunes and watch for Geeks and Beats magazine on a newsstand near you. To be part of next week's show, call area code 323-319-NERD. Follow the stories on Twitter, Facebook, and get your dose of Geeks and Beats anytime at geeksandbeats.com. The Geeks and Beats podcast would like to thank the National Science Foundation.